that life is a lot like a dollar bill. You can spend that dollar bill any way you want, but you can only spend it once. Now, when you spend money, you can spend money in one of two ways. You can waste your money, or you can invest your money. And the same is true about life. You can waste your life, or you can invest your life into the next generation. So friend, if you ask Jesus, how do I invest my life? How do I experience God's best for my life in the here and now so I won't have to wait for the there and then? How do I experience God's best life for me now? What do you think Jesus would say? Well, I don't think we have to wonder because I believe I know what Jesus would say. And he said it in Matthew chapter 6. Beginning in verse 25. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, not dressed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these, these things. But seek first. Say seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. The secret to enjoying God's best for your life now is found in the six words that Jesus spoke. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Say that with me. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. That is the key. That is the secret to enjoying the best God has for your life. So that sounds pretty simple, right? Well, like many things in the Bible, uh, they sound simple, but they're not easy. Amen? So this is a simpler, similar situation. But I want to tell you this. If beginning today, 
If beginning today, you would consciously, continuously, constantly, and consistently put first things first, it would totally transform your life. So how do we do it? To begin experiencing God's best now, Jesus says, you must begin by setting proper priorities. Setting proper priorities. Everything rises and everything falls right here. Setting proper priorities. Friend, if your priorities aren't in order, then your life is not going to be in order. If your priorities aren't right, you are not going to be right. And you don't have to pray about what your number one priority ought to be. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to discuss it with your friends. You don't have to look for it. You just have to do it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Because Jesus told us what our first priority ought to be, what is it? Seek first the kingdom of God. That word seek is a very important word. That word seek means to actively pursue him to continually pursue him to pursue him and to keep on pursuing him every day of our lives ought to have us seeking first the kingdom of God that's what we should be doing now in order to seek the kingdom of God you must first seek the king amen you can't have a kingdom Unless you have a king. Now, to experience God's best now, you must seek the king of the kingdom. Why? Because the Christian life is more than just accepting the king. The Christian life is more than just accepting the Lord. It's also seeking the king. Seeking the Lord. The Lord is not just someone that you passively accept... No, he is someone that you actively seek. We need to learn that word. Now, friend, I can tell you something about your relationship with God without even knowing you. I can tell you exactly how much of God you have. You have all of God you want. You have all of God that you want in your life. You see, God doesn't have favorites. But he does have intimates. He doesn't have favorites. But he does have those who truly seek. Who pursue and keep on pursuing his presence. Who seek after his grace. Who seek after his mercy. Who seek after his guidance. Who seek after his word. Who seek after his service. And as a result of them seeking that. They find themselves intimate. With God. James chapter 4 verse 8 tells us. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. If you will be intimate with God. Then he will be intimate with you. Because he has promised in his word. That if you will seek me. And find me. You will search for me. With all your heart. But you know it's not enough. Just to seek after the Lord. 
It's not enough. You must seek him first. I think all of us in this room can say, yes, we are seeking the Lord. But friend, are you seeking him first? Are you seeking him first? You see, he doesn't want to just be a place in your life. Jesus doesn't want to be a Sunday morning place in your life. Jesus doesn't even want to be prominent in your life. He wants to be preeminent in your life. He wants to be the most important presence in your life every single day. He wants the first moments of every day. He wants the first day of every week. He wants the first part of every paycheck. He wants to be first. First. And we as Christians are so guilty of not placing him in his rightful position. He wants to be king. He wants to be the king of your life's throne. He wants to be number one. But not only are we to seek after the king, like he said, we're also to be seeking his kingdom. The kingdom of God ought to be the single obsession of your life. Nothing should be more important than you seeking after the kingdom of God. Now, when you truly seek after a king, and you're truly seeking after his kingdom, then you're going to automatically be seeking for three things. The first of which is this. You're going to be seeking for the glory of the king. Every part and parcel of your life, every minute and moment of your time, every ounce and pound of your strength, and every muscle and fiber of your being is going to be given for the glory of God. Every word you speak, every prayer you pray, every thought you think ought to be given for the glory of God. Can you say that today? The Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Do it all for the glory of God. In fact, in Isaiah 43, verse 7, God tells us why we were created. Listen to this. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, here we go, for my glory. You ever wondered why you're here? You ever wondered why you're still breathing God's air? You ever wonder why your heart is still beating? It's because he has created you for his Glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. That is why we're created. But not only are we to be seeking after the glory of the king, we're also to be seeking the guidance of the king. Now, we as loyal subjects should want to do what the king wants us to do. Amen? We should be wanting to do what he wants us to do. There is no higher calling in your life than for you to find out what the king wants you to do and then do it. Sometimes we give up even thinking about what the king would have us to do. I think that every morning we ought to wake up and ask the same question that Paul asked of Jesus. He said in Acts chapter 9 verse 6, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? I pray that that is the first question that you utter when you wake up in the morning. So if you're going to be seeking after the king, if you're going to be seeking after the kingdom, you're going to be seeking after the glory of God and the guidance of God. But also, you need to be seeking the government 
of the king. A loyal subject actually desires to be controlled by the king. A loyal subject actually wants to be governed by the king. A loyal subject actually wants to be ruled by the king. Now you might say, well, it sounds a whole lot like slavery to me. But I want to tell you this. To the contrary, the greatest liberty in the world is being found and being controlled by the right master. If you're controlled by him, you're in good hands. Amen? I mean, has it ever occurred to you, friend, that if your will was that God's will is always done in your life, your will would always be done? How many of you like things going to go your way? Amen? We all do. Well, all you got to do is be asking God, Lord, your will be done in my life, always. And if that's your sincere desire, your wish will be given. I read this. Our faith must be settled before the fiery furnace is heated. Our faith must be settled before the fiery furnace is, is heated. If we'll set proper priorities... You'll never have to decide what to do when the trial comes. Why? Because your priorities are already in place before the test even comes. So to experience God's best now in your life, what you need to do is begin by setting proper priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. But secondly, we must also seek after Personal purity. If you want God's best in your life, you're going to need to seek personal purity. Not only are we to seek his kingdom, but Jesus also said you need to be seeking first his righteousness. We're not only wanting God's control over us, we're wanting God's control within us. God's character within us. Amen? So important. The bottom line is this. As we seek the kingdom, people in our world ought to be able to see God's kingdom in us. We ought to light up the darkness. When we truly are seeking the kingdom, other people will see the kingdom in us. The real Christian makes it easier for other people to see God. I pray that you could say that about your life. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean to seek the righteousness of God? Does that mean I just need to learn about it? Learn what it looks like? What does it mean to seek the righteousness of God? Well, first of all, it means that you need to yearn for it. You need to yearn for it. You know, in reality, you and I do what we really want to do. Amen? You do what you want to do. Furthermore, you are what you seek to be. You are what you really want to be. So if you're a heathen, you need it, you're seeking it. Amen? You're wanting to be a heathen. I pray we ain't got none of that in here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. What does that mean? That means that you and I should desire to be right, to do right, to live right, just like a hungry man wants food. Just like a thirsty man wants something to drink. We ought to yearn for it. But not only that, we must also 
receive the righteousness of God. Receive it. You see, God is not interested in your righteousness. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's how much God thinks of our righteousness. But the greatest day of your life is when you come to the realization, when you learn the difference between self-righteousness and the Savior's righteousness. I pray you crave His righteousness. You know, after he was saved, the Apostle Paul made that one of the goals of his life. He said in Philippians 3.9, he said, I want to be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which comes from the law. No, I want to be, be found in him. That which is through faith in Christ. Here it goes, ready? The righteousness which is from God by faith. That's what you should yearn for. That's what you should desire. But he doesn't stop there because he says that's exactly why Jesus came. Do you know that the righteousness of God in your life is exactly why Jesus died? That we might have the righteousness of God. Listen to what Paul wrote about that. He said, for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Friend, I pray in Jesus' name that not only do you yearn for it, but that you receive it through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's not done there because we should yearn for it and we should certainly want to receive it, but we must also imitate it. We must also imitate the righteousness of God. Again, God is not interested in what you can do for him, but he is very interested in what he can do through you. They're different, amen? So we must submit to the king Live like kingdom subjects and do what Jesus said. Jesus said, if anybody's going to serve me, let him follow me. Let him imitate me. He goes on to say, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So we should yearn for the righteousness of God. We should receive the righteousness of God, but we should also imitate Jesus as the perfect example of the righteousness of God. And here's the promise, friends. If you'll set proper priorities, if you'll seek personal purity, the promise of Jesus is you will see promised prosperity. If you want God's best now, you can have it and you can see promised prosperity. Now, the Lord says that if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. What things is the Lord talking about? Well, he's talking about all the things that you and I worry about. Amen? For instance, in verse 19, we're told that people worry about finances. They worry about money. Verse 19, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In verse 25, we're told that people worry about food. Where are they going to get their next meal? But verse 25 says, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food? 
and the body more than clothing? And then in verse 27, we're told that people also worry about fitness. Listen to what he said about that in verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You're not going to grow an inch by worrying. But in verse 28, we're also told that people worry about fashion. In verse 28, Jesus said, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Now all these things are things that we need. We need, we need money, I hate to say it. We, we need something to eat. We, we need to be healthy. And we need clothing. But verse 32, Jesus said, your father knows. He knows that you need all these things. And the Lord has promised you that if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will have all the things you need. Not necessarily all the things you want. I'm convinced that there are four lessons that we as parents ought to teach our kids and teach them early. And I think this is the same four things that many adults need to relearn. Number one, you don't need everything you want. And I get a testimony. I mean, consider this. Don't you wish you had all the money back that you spent on things that you wanted but you really didn't need? When Janet and I got married, we had a temporary storage building full of things that we Wanted, but we didn't really need. And it took forever for us to sort through some of that stuff. But secondly, you don't want everything you need. You don't want everything you need. Now, I never wanted one whooping I got, but I deserved every single one of them. And that's all I have to say about that. Thirdly, God doesn't give us everything that we want. And I, for one, am glad that he doesn't because he knows what I need. One of the greatest blessings of God, I believe, is found in the things that he doesn't give us. He doesn't give us hell as believers. He doesn't give us uh, punishment like we deserve. Instead, what does he give us? Grace, mercy, forgiveness. He doesn't give us everything that we want. But the last lesson is this. God always gives us what we need. I remember reading about two stores that were across the street from one another. Fierce competitors. And one was always trying to get ahead of the other. And so the manager of one store decided he was going to put up a big old sign out in the front of his store. And he nailed that, front of, that sign on the front of his store, and that sign said, If you want it, we have it. That's a pretty good sign. Well, then this, the guy across the street saw it, and the manager of that store began to think about it. And so he wrote up his own sign, and he put his own sign in front of his store. And his sign said, If we don't have it, you don't need it. That struck home with me. Because I can tell you right now, friend, no matter what you might think, 
If you don't have it right now, it's because God knows at this point in your life, you don't need it. It may be coming. It may be tomorrow for all I know. But God knows at this point, you don't need it because he doesn't give us everything that we want. So what was the Lord trying to teach us today? What did he want you and I as Bethelonians to leave here with? He wanted us to leave with this. It's our job to set proper priorities, to seek personal purity, and to serve God. It's his job to supply all the things we need in order to do those things. Now, most people have that backwards. They think, oh, it's my job to work hard. I've got to supply what I need. And God's supposed to serve me. But that's not the truth. In a very real sense, I believe that we as Christians are called to live hand to mouth. And I believe that's great as long as it's his hand in my mouth. Amen? He supplies what we need. Friend, do you want to experience God's best now? You don't have to wait. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. How can the rest of your life be God's best for your life? Well, you begin by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Accepting the Savior. That's where you begin. And then you continue by allowing him to be the Lord of your life. You've got to seek after the king. And then, friend... Put him first. Put him first. Live every moment of your life for him. And you'll have God's best now. And after that, you just leave all the rest up to him. Are you receiving God's best today? Are you craving it, yearning for it? Is that something you'd like to see? Jesus made it simple, but he never said that it would be easy. But it begins with proper priorities. Personal purity that lights up the darkness in other people's lives. And serving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Whatever changes in you, God has spoke to you about this morning. I pray during this decision time. You put your foot down and resolve to receive God's best now. If you've never received Christ, you can have God's best now and for all eternity. Give your life to Christ. That's his desire, and he wants it to be your desire. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that you don't give us what we deserve. We praise you and we thank you that, Lord, you want to be first in our lives. Not because you 